Welcome to Allendale Market Talk. This is Greg McBride and Mike Long. Mike, we just finished the April WASDE report uh, last Friday, and markets got excited initially. Um, corn went up, made new contract highs, and then uh, and then we backed off. Uh, and we saw that uh, follow through uh, uh, for the rest of the day on Friday, right after the report, and then we saw it again uh, to start out this week. What do you think is going on in the uh, in these markets here? Let's start specifically with the corn, which was down 150 million bushels on the ending stocks from last uh, last month. Yeah, so on the last report, we did get the cut. We got what trade has been expecting and what the average trade estimate was uh, looking for. And like you said, went up, got new contract highs, came back down. And as of right now, it still looks like we are potentially overpriced on just a fair value standpoint, but we're also still hovering and currently got our highest close so far here on this Tuesday's close. So what trade's looking at right now and what it very well seems like, especially with the role that's still going on through Thursday, and that's gonna be the Goldman role, is what's next? Are we gonna continue to be able to feed the bull? Have we overdone it to the top side, looking to price in just basically everything we possibly can? And now any news from here uh, will be very difficult to make it more bullish than what we've already priced in. Or are we gonna continue to see exports? Are we gonna see China shy away from South America's crop and not buy from down there and uh, continue to chip away at this supply that we currently have on hand? Or are we gonna start focusing on this new crop more and more with planting currently underway and us now looking at the next crop here? What's the supply gonna be for next year? And we have pretty much everything figured out for this old crop. So now all the questions drift to this uh, 2021. Well, and that, bring, that brings up a good point, Mike, is that uh, the next USDA report that we get at the beginning of May will incorporate new crop numbers in it. This will be our first new crop uh, uh, ending stocks report as well. Uh, it also, uh, as we you know, look at the calendar, uh, starting, uh, starting last week and continuing through the, the rest of the growing season, we're gonna get weekly reports about the planting progress uh, initially, and then obviously uh, conditions uh, for this corn and, and bean cr uh, crop that's out there. And, you know, looking at the weather, the next two weeks or so looks fairly dry for the Midwest. So it, it looks like we could get out and, and plant fast. And when we plant fast, historically, that favors corn acres. Uh, now, the difference this year, it seems like there's a lot more people that are willing and able to plant corn or beans uh, early, and there's a lot of people that are trying to do both. Yeah, especially with what we've been seeing input cost-wise, uh, very well does have that feel of we are still fighting for those fringe acres that the USDA did not give us on that last report. And... Like you said, most years we would be looking straight at corn for those extra acres, but with where fertilizer prices are and everything, you very well could be seeing a good mix of the two. Mm -hmm. Now, with uh, with respect to uh, what we've seen uh, here in the in from the USDA down to uh, I think it's 1.352 uh, billion carryout for uh, for old crop corn. Um, 
those numbers are are tighter than we've seen in years and while they we may be a little overpriced for that don't you kind of feel like there's still potential that we could could see some cuts coming to that um, you know maybe another 25 to 50 50 million bushels as we move forward into uh the end of the uh, marketing year uh, over the next few months yeah if we've seen anything over i mean really since last september it's that we are in this bullish frame of mind you have had the usda come here and make a lot of bullish surprise changes to these reports so to expect some more cut off especially as we get further and further down the road and get a little bit more confident on where our exports are going to be making sure that there's no cancellations that take place and everything in those regards there is still potential and mm -hmm. i think that's one of the big things trade is still keeping us supported up here for is that potential we, we're not falling out of bed at least not as of tuesday mm -hmm. um we're still seemingly fine being overpriced based on what we just got for a old crop uh, any stocks numbers so I think uh, not only I agree with you but it seems like trade agrees that we could still see some further cuts yeah now one of the other things to think about here is you know even though we do have clear planting uh, a clear planting window for the next two weeks and maybe that uh, uh, rolls on f uh, for the next uh, uh, three or four weeks um, I, that does tend to be uh, a little bit bearish but you can't or maybe maybe I'm I'm being a little biased here, but I don't think you can necessarily get bearish just off of of your planting pace because the what's right around the corner is the major production cycle for uh, for corn. As you go into that June and July timeframe, if we're dry or if we're hot and dry, uh, as we go into that July timeframe for for pollination, that could be the impetus or the catalyst for uh, seeing some buying come in and building some weather premium, even if it doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to have a drought. I mean, this could this could easily uh, be a very big production year for us. Uh, it's just a matter of that there's that unknown factor, I guess, is the best way to put it, right? Definitely. Uh, what trade does is it doesn't price in what we know for an absolute fact. What it does is it prices in risk and if we continue to see it come in hot and dry and that's in the forecast for a couple of weeks we can definitely price in the potential um and if it doesn't come to fruition take the premium right back out but see that's nothing we haven't seen before and it's typically going to be a short-term time frame than this demand rally that we've been seeing um but definitely something we could see as mm -hmm. we approach closer and closer to that summer time frame now, as we uh, kind of shift gears and we start to talk about uh, soybeans and and whatnot, the thing to think about here, you know, is is it seems like since our last USDA report, or maybe even since the beginning of of March, that the volume has really kind of slowed down quite a bit. Now, today here, uh, turnaround Tuesday, we had a, a fairly good amount of volume out of. Uh, May corn out of July corn and even popped above 100,000 contracts traded in the May beans. What are we seeing as far as open interest and volume in these markets? Is there any indication that maybe the funds are going to take a little bit out of their uh, their long position that they're holding right now? As of right now, it's really difficult to tell 
based on open interest and based on volume, what the managed money funds are doing, because you do have that Goldman roll that's taking place. So you've been seeing some in open interest extra on the July and more deferred contracts, but to mix that with what's going on with the roll, it's, it's difficult to see exactly where that's taking place because those extra contracts that the index funds are moving excuse how the rest of the market's able to move the ease of which which way it's able to push so as of right now uh it looks like you are seeing a roll which you should be expecting through thursday but to give you an absolute direction it's very difficult while we're still range bound for really this bean market and corn hasn't really gone anywhere either mm-hmm. um but it's very difficult to point out this is what the managed money funds are doing during this time frame Right. As one, one of my customers pointed out uh, today, uh, well, it's it's in a couple of different markets, beans being one of them, uh, crude oil another one. These markets almost uh, have gone so sideways, uh, they resemble arrowheads at this point. And uh, they're coming to a T, which, you know, or are coming to a point on it, which means that we could be starting to look at uh, potential for a breakout uh, at some point. It's just uh, what's going to be that uh, fundamental or technical uh, 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 fire that gets lit underneath these markets. So um, as you go in and you start looking at uh, at soybeans, old crop soybeans on the last USDA report were f- uh, basically left uh, left alone. I think we're 119, 120 on the uh, on the ending stocks. So there's no real change there. That's uh, what uh, two months in a row that we've seen. Uh, seeing that number, we know that the export demand has fairly well dried up. There's nothing uh, nothing extravagant like we saw in uh, November and December. Uh, so are we at a point where we, we know we've got uh, tight ending stocks, but there's nothing to feed the bull. So why would we break out of this, uh, this trading range that we've got right now? Is that where we're at in the uh, mentality of the market? It does seem like that's where we're sitting right now with the mentality of the market. You're not seeing a ton of new entrants, especially with the bean market that has and continues to have a very bullish and tight ending stock number is you just don't have that next next big round of news, that next big market mover that's getting the outside. And even, I mean, at this point, uh, the regular buyers to say, you know what, I want to step in at these levels and jump on board we've already gone so far up to the top side to want to be a buyer up here especially with some of those big uh liquidation sell-offs we've seen it's hard to have these new buyers enter at these levels so Mm. either seeing those setbacks that allow for people to say you know what i i'd be willing to come in here and buy this market or finding the next out of news that says, you know what, it's just that much more bullish than what we expected. I'm willing to step in, but finding that psychological level that people are willing to put their money into this market to either buy, sell, or just have a place that they're willing to enter. Mm-hmm. Now uh, let's take uh, let's take hedging uh, interests uh, out of this uh, this situation, and and let's let's talk specifically in these markets that kind of feel like they're they're range bound here. Um, are there opportunities uh, in these uh, in these markets to uh, to trade, whether it's uh, from a future standpoint or even a uh, a uh, 
uh, an options standpoint, buying uh, buying calls or buying puts, is, is there are there opportunities when a market does this uh, where it goes sideways for uh, for a longer period of time? There's always going to be opportunities in markets that are range bound, markets that are trending, whatever they may be. It's just the time frame that you're looking at them for. So if you are looking at a range bound market, besides looking to trade with the trend, because obviously the trend is sideways. Uh, finding a smaller time frame to be working with and using that as a, I'm not looking for a, another dollar rally, but if I can see 10, 20 cents in between and look to pick that up and just look for shorter target increments, it's probably not the worst way to be going about it. But again, if it's range bound, not looking say at a monthly chart in order to position yourself. Mm -hmm. Now on the uh, on the wheat side of things on this uh, report uh, last Friday we uh, we increased ending stocks uh here in the US uh by about 5 million bushels more than expected we were looking for a, I think it was a uh, an 11 or 12 million bushel increase which is really nothing when you're talking about 800 to 900 million bushels but it was a little bit higher than expected wheat seems to have Found its base or found its uh, its short term bottom here and and bounced back up with rain coming in the uh, in the forecast across uh, parts of uh, Kansas Oklahoma and uh, and parts of Texas is this something that we should be looking at as an opportunity for uh, secondary hedges or rehedging or or new hedges as we finish out this crop over the next couple of months here? Or is this a market from your technical perspective that has the potential to go back up near that 680 or 6, uh, 690 level that uh, we were at uh, just a few months ago? Yeah, so this wheat market, as we make the case on our um, on our winter conference and our summer conference is highly tied to what's going on with the larger picture. There's so much wheat that's made in the world and grown that unless there's a larger scale issue, it's really hard to have that more bullish uh, mentality for a long period of time. And this year we are seeing something we haven't seen since 2012, which is the world ending stocks number is lower than what it was last year. And that's not something very typical. So we went down at this point and hit 50% retracement on the KC and Chicago contracts. And looks like we are finding some support, but as of right now, it's just very minor in degree for what we've been able to bounce off of that 50% uh, retracement level. And for the Minneapolis contract, coming very close towards a triple top and triple tops on average, typically don't hold as tops. Uh, typically you do break through those triple top uh, movements. So something to definitely be watching here as we're sitting near our highs is whether or not we see that breakout or the break back into a more downward sloping market. But uh, out of all three, it seems like Minneapolis with the dryness concerns up north is finding the most strength out of all three of the weak complex. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now we, uh, you, you mentioned uh, the the world situation, and and uh, let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, we've got um, uh, the UK has just uh, reopened uh, bars and and restaurants. Uh, Germany, I believe, 
is still in lockdown or on restrictions until uh, I believe the 18th of this month. And um, you've got uh, issues uh, uh, in uh, some Asian nations like uh, India and whatnot, where they're seeing uh, increased cases. Shoot, we're seeing increased cases here in the United States as well. Uh, it's just not uh, it's not something that we're shutting down for at this point. I know there are certain uh, certain uh, states that have seen things a little bit worse than uh, than what we've seen here in, say, Illinois or or other parts of the Midwest. But uh, that is a concern because that's a demand situation when it comes to energies and uh, gas demand and, and heating oil demand. So that kind of weighs on some of our markets as well. Um, what other other situations do we need to be monitoring at this point? I mean, it, it seems like we're, we're fighting a couple of different uh, battles here. And for lack of a better term, the word battle is used. But uh, we've got the whole thing in the uh, South China Sea or uh, with uh, China, we've got uh, the thing in uh, in the Black Sea where Russia is basically posturing like they're going to go and invade Ukraine uh, again. It, what else are we or what else are we watching at this point? Yeah, at this point, it's a lot of what's going on tension-wise. You have the like you said, Russia is telling the U.S. to stay away from Crimea, uh, keep their warships away. You've had over the last really five six years. Uh, China saying that they want the U.S. to stay out of the South China Sea. They want them to stay out of uh, Chinese and uh, Taiwan relations, which is very similar to what Russia is saying right now between Russia and Ukraine relations. Uh, and as always, we also have the Middle East that there's constantly something in regards to tension that uh, takes place over there, whether it be some bombing near a U.S. military base, whether it be drone strikes, uh, we hear it all the time. But mm -hmm. seeing and watching those three, as well as always whatever North Korea might be doing in the background, watching those developments, because if those do take place and U.S. is agreed to defend Taiwan and Ukraine, if something takes place there and we get shipped out there and it really puts a big blockade on any kind of uh, world trade, we're dealing with a whole different market in a very quick time frame. Mm -hmm. Now, it, I mean, you've got to think this this is a uh, this could be one of those, you know, black swan events if something like that were to happen. Um, but, you know, in my you know, it when you're talking about a trade partner like China, that's a huge hit to, to agriculture. Uh, that could be potentially a huge hit to uh, the uh, li liquid natural gas that we were hoping to send over, or ethanol that we were hoping to send over. But uh, one of the other things is that generally, war is good for business for crude oil. Crude oil tends to be an outlier or be a, a uh, a litmus test for the rest of the markets. If crude oil starts to rally, will that or could that pull uh, pull our ag market higher? Even if the trade is not necessarily there with uh, with with one or or multiple of these countries. Yeah, and you're gonna have the flight to well. In the past, we've seen a flight to crude, but also a flight to coffee, flight to those kind of uh, war. Uh, mentality markets and it could and we saw it during um we saw it during the last part of the 08 rally is 
these grain markets got pulled up by the energy markets. You see bean oil with uh, bean oil and ethanol biofuels that get mixed in with uh, the energies uh, crude and seeing those take a run up very well can pull up the markets there. So right. it's something that could, but again, something we need to be watching because we also saw based on the US trade war, when China's out of the mix, especially for beans, there's not a lot of auxiliary markets that can help out in the demand and cutting into any oversupply that we may find. Mm -hmm. so okay. Yeah. What I was going to say is uh, one last thing. Let's see. Let's see what uh, uh, Mike. When you're talking to your customers and you're you're prepping them for how this uh, this year lays out, um, without giving any kind of you know recommendations uh, to our to our listeners out there because that's a compliance issue. But what are you what are you laying out for a timeline or a thought process for your customers of how this how this year goes? So while everyone wants to know what's going to be happening in October, in November, when everything's harvested and what it's going to be like looking out of the, coming right off the combine, with how much this market has moved, I've been looking more short, shorter timeframes, uh, something that can get me to the next answer, uh, whether it be planting, whether it be weather, whether it be whatever it is, having coverage of any risk until we can find an answer about what our next step is as opposed to looking to go all the way out spending all that premium and waiting and watching time value road so that's what i'm looking at i don't know what you're looking at but uh I'm, I'm chopping it up into smaller sections that we can put plans together and follow through on those yeah, I think that's absolutely the uh, the the way that you have to look at it this year. You've got a clearly defined uh, window here of uh, probably more of a bearish lean to a bullish market to bullish markets uh, as you plant, but then you've got that uncertainty that we talked about with the uh, the weather uh, going into the summer, whether it's uh, pollination in July or pod fill in August. If we're hot and dry during those times, that can be what drives us to the next level. If we get to the point where we do start to see rains fall in uh, in July or we've got it in the forecast at the very least, that could be the thing that uh, we need to make sure that we've got coverage on. We know that that acreage report at the end of June is an, uh, is an issue uh, that uh, we have somewhere in the neighborhood of about 3 million acres that probably will get planted. And as you talked about, this is one of those years where maybe it makes sense and that's still up in the air at this point that there's, you know, typically we don't see a lot of a big push towards uh, bean acres. But if we're planting faster and we're planting faster in beans as well, maybe we plant more than a million acres extra on beans and we split that uh, down the middle about uh, a million and a half acres to to beans, a million and a half acres to corn or uh, or something like that. And that could be the start of the downward slide as we go into the back half of, uh, of production. And, and that's why I think you're, you're absolutely right. I think you have to, you have to pick this thing off in chunks and try and figure out what to do in these individual groups and then 
later on you can make your harvest uh, harvest decisions and and hedge uh, hedge decisions or even if it's planning on going into the bin, making sure that you've got some longer term hedges to go out to the winter uh, once we've seen what kind of a production we've got. So absolutely, I think there's uh, that's the probably the best way to look at it at this point. Definitely. So if you guys have any questions about anything discussed on today's episode, please give us a call 800-262-7538. But today for Allendale Market Talk, this is Mike Lung and Greg McBride. You guys have a great one out there.